This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Inside Carolina post-game show. I'm your host today, Gregory Hall. Tommy Ashley decided to ditch us and go to the game. Um, we just finished watching North Carolina dominate Virginia pretty much, especially in the second half, pulled away 74-58, but it was a 25-point game until a little 9-0 garbage time run for the Cavaliers. Um, just a few quick notes here before I bring in Dewey Burke. Armando Baycott, 29 points, 21 rebounds. Brady Manick, 19 points, 5 of 9 from 3. Caleb Love, 16 points, 4 of 9 from 3. Five assists, one turnover. RJ Davis, 0 for 10 from the floor. Four assists, zero turnovers. Wasn't did his point guard duties today. Dewey, your initial thoughts. Yeah, well, we sure felt like we owed them one. I think they got us eight in a row. And uh, obviously not a, as strong of a Virginia team as Tony Bennett has had in the last couple of years. But we definitely owed them one. And so it was good to uh, to see us have a dominant performance. And it feels like this is what an engaged Carolina team looks like. Uh, this is this is the A game that we are capable of. What I would say is we have not earned the ability or shown the ability to win with a B or a C game. They have they have not shown that. And so this is the amount of effort and investment and uh, and unselfishness that this team, this roster requires to win. And uh, they had that. We, we got the ball inside to Armando consistently. He was an absolute animal on the glass. Uh, Caleb was really solid from the perimeter, made a lot of uh, really good-looking shots uh, from behind the arc. Brady was able to contribute, and a lot of guys did things that didn't show up in the stat sheet. Uh, guys like Leakey and even RJ shooting the ball poorly still played solid. So uh, this is the A game that we're capable of. And I don't mean to, to finish the comment on a negative, but we just don't have the ability to win with a B or C game. We have to bring this A level every single game, and there's no excuse not to. With going off of that, with the tight rotation, is that possible? I mean, obviously, I mean, we've seen it's not possible with this team yet as far as bringing the A game every time. But can you speak at all to the mental barrier of, I mean, really only seven guys played today. I mean, they got to get a spell at the end, but I mean, we saw it against Notre Dame. Yes, Dawson Garcia is out right now and he will be back eventually. Um, but what's, can you speak to that mental barrier at all, having to do that every time when you know what you're probably going to have to play right now, 32 plus minutes? Sure. And I think when Kerwin comes back, hopefully he's able to get legitimate minutes. So it should be, you know, nine guys. Uh, so we should be able to give guys a little bit more of a blow. But um, it's it's mental maturity that we're talking about here. And I think the first person we would point to that seems to have shown that is Armando. Right. He has figured out as now a junior, you know, I don't know how many games he started, but he should be coming close to 100 or something thereabouts. Uh, when you become an upperclassman, you have the mental maturity to understand what it takes and how you have to bring it every single practice, every single lift, 
every single after practice shooting workout that you do, if there's just, there's a commitment to your craft that some of these guys I think are still learning. And, uh, and because they're not elite, elite, elite talent and elite, elite, elite depth, they're not like other Carolina teams in the past that could win, like I said, with a B or C game. So for me, this is mental maturity. We, we did not show mental maturity against Notre Dame. You know, we play great for three possessions and then take two off. That shows mental immaturity and the ability to, to lack of toughness to get through adversity on the road. And if, if we want to take the next step and, and be a top, you know, top three or four seed in the NCAA tournament in a bracket, there's a, there's a step that needs to be made mentally uh, and a commitment to, it's easy to say commitment to excellence, but to, I say a commitment to your craft whittle it down to every possession, every possession, every minute, every four minute segment of the game. And we're just not there yet, but we, we have the ability to do it. We show flashes like we did today. Two things stood out to me listening to the press conferences from the players um, before you got on here, Dewey, Caleb, first of all, after Notre Dame, right. Acknowledging and making that cognizant decision and choice that he knew he didn't have, he didn't bring the energy in the first half. And then he made that switch in the second, and that's largely why they made that 13-point deficit disappear. I thought that was step one. Step two was after Armando called the embarrassment, called the loss to Notre Dame an embarrassment and whatnot, even though they did fight back, how they would respond against a team they hadn't beaten in seven times. And then in the postgame today, Caleb said um, Armando, who has only combined 15 points in his two games against last two games against Virginia, um, obviously 29 today, but he kind of mentioned to Caleb pregame, like, man, like I've never played well against these guys. Caleb said, no, cut that out. Um, We're going to go out there and we're going to dominate. And Caleb said, that's the mentality that for some reason we haven't brought it every time, but we know moving forward that we want to. Um, And then Armando said, yeah, it's great that we played this way today but I want to see us do it three, four, five times in a row. And so it sounds like based on how they played today, obviously playing at home is different and on the road, but that maturity um, is getting there. I wanted to get your thoughts on Armando's game today because obviously he's played Virginia, right? This is not like he's never played the pack line. It was like, oh, pack line this, pack line that. I'm just going to go out there and play my game. He knows how Virginia has stopped him in the past. What do you think was different? about his game today that allowed him to be the only second player ever, which I still can't believe this stat exists. The only second Tar Heel ever to have 20 rebounds in the Dean Dome joining Sean May. Yeah. You know, I I think, uh, I I think it's a relentless, a relentless, excuse me, pursuit of the basketball, regardless of whether it's on the defensive glass, the offensive glass, uh, a post-entry pass, when we've had bigs historically that have taken on the mindset of any ball in my area or not, it should be mine, right? There's, a, there's an attitude behind that. There's an aggressive mentality behind that that we have not always seen from Armando in years past. He is starting to show it consistently on a daily basis now that he is able to enter a different mode when the game starts and there's a belief and, and a, an aggressiveness and almost an animal like behavior that every ball in or out of my area is mine. And when you take that pursuit, uh, it's demonstrably different to watch. 
we've had several guys in the past that have been able to play that way. And you've just been waiting for that light bulb for Armando. So look, I love the way he's playing. I love what he said after the game. I love what Caleb said. Have they earned our trust that we believe that they will do this night in and night out? And the unequivocal answer is no, they have not earned that trust yet. But step one is proving it to yourself on the court. Step two is then believing it over and over in your mind. And if saying it to the media helps you believe it, okay, fine, whatever it, whatever it takes. But I'm not sold yet, uh, nor should we be. Right. However, they do have the ability. It's there. This is still, even though it's not an elite, elite Carolina talent team, it's still a high talent team. And they have the ability to be really, really good when they're engaged. And that was Tommy's text to me from the Smith Center. He said, man, they're really good when they're engaged. And they are. There's no excuse for lack of engagement. There's no excuse for it. So let's see if that mental maturity carries itself through. Armando, to me, has shown it more than anyone. Uh, you know, his string of double doubles and just understanding what it means to be a dominant big when you wear that uniform. He's showing us that. Now let's see if it carries through to the rest of the roster night in and night out. Six straight double doubles. The first Tar Heel to have back-to-back 20.15 rebounds in game since Tyler Hansborough, who was in the building today. Um, he spoke about that afterwards and just how cool that was, but also that trying to bring that psycho team mentality and, he said, this is his quote, I tweeted it out, but um, his quote after his last thing in the press conference, he said, quote, it was a Scarface performance, just leaving no prisoners and trying to kill everybody. People on Twitter are loving that, um, obviously, for obvious reasons. But Caleb and Brady, um, obviously, Brady did a really was open a lot. And he took his shots. He was that three point shooter. How did you see Caleb? react to some of the double teams that Virginia threw at them? Because it was obvious that Virginia was trying to make Carolina force a lot of turnovers and play panicked. Um, But UNC was able to recognize that. And that's kind of what led to a lot of dunks for Armando, open shots for Caleb and Brady. Um, How did you see them kind of exploit what Virginia was trying to exploit and kind of counter that? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. I've said, you know, in this podcast a lot, something that Coach Williams used to always teach us, which was give the defense a chance to screw it up. And we've historically done a pretty poor job of that against Virginia. They've imposed their will defensively on us. They've bumped bumped us off our cuts. They've not allowed themselves to be screened. They've not allowed post entries. And when we got them in there, they'd do that hard, aggressive post-to-post double. They would double ball screens a lot and, and fan dribblers out away from the basket. They would impose their will historically. We tonight were much more settled and grounded on the offensive end. So we cut more crisply. You heard Billis talk about RJ a couple of times, making good darts to the basket. We screened more solidly. We moved the ball more crisply. And so what happens when you do those things, and again, something that coach would talk about a lot, is if you set the first good screen in a possession, the guy that you're screening, now that defender is just a split second behind that causes the next guy to have to help a little bit off of his man. And then you move the ball and make the next good pass and set the next good screen or make the next good cut. And that sets that defender back another half second. And that attrition of guys getting a little bit behind in each little piece of the possession allows you then to be the aggressor on the offensive end instead of receiving the way that that Virginia is guarding you. 
And we did a great job of that tonight. We let them screw it up by setting more solid screens, better post-entry passes, cutting with a purpose. And when you do that, they're eventually going to make a mistake. They're going to get behind on a rotation, which leads to Caleb, not just catch and shoot threes, but catching the ball with space and having the ability to create, do his step back and shoot his threes, getting the ball into Armando, where because we got them out of sync, that post-to-post double was late or never came. And it allowed him to operate. And then the last point I'll make is it extends itself all the way into when we then take a shot, they're out of position to box out. And that's why you saw Armando feast on the glass because they were out of position throughout the possession, starting with at the beginning, that great screen or first good cut that then led them to be late on box outs and Armando feasted. So again, it's, it's easy for me to refer back to things coach Williams taught us, but we did those things tonight. We, we moved and screened with a purpose and, and Virginia could not keep up because they kept making little mistake after little mistake after little mistake, which allowed us to play the way we'd like to play. Uh, you mentioned, um, I don't know if you, you mentioned Coach Williams there, but we'll get to what his appearance in the game with Danny Green a little bit later at the end. But what those, what Virginia's double teaming force was ball movement by Carolina. And what I talked about in, in the Inside Carolina live radio show this morning was in UNC's three losses or three of their four losses, they had nine assists against Kentucky, nine assists against uh, Tennessee, and 10 assists against uh, Notre Dame. They had 19 assists on 28 made baskets today. And the one that stands out to me is Brady Mannix's assist. Now, he had multiple assists, but you know what I'm talking, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? the Carolina basketball type way where he could have gone up for the layup, but he gave the unselfish pass bloop right to Armando for the dunk. Um, This team when it's clicking, right. And you mentioned Tommy's text is ball movement. And when they get away from that is when you get performances, energy or not is when you get performances against um, Notre Dame, for example, right. Where like, the defensive energy was obviously not there and some of the offensive wasn't either, but it was also you dig, they dig themselves in a hole and then they just feel like they're dribbling. Um, obviously we talked about the mental maturity about moving forward and playing with that energy every night, but what type of maturity does it take to recognize what works and do that on a consistent basis? Well, it's, it's what you said is that very accurate. We're, we're, we seek that maturity to do it every night and, and to extrapolate that. You know, the point of your comment was around ball movement and unselfishness. And and when the ball rips crisply, teams do what I said. They make mistakes and then you can capitalize because we then have the talent to go ahead and and step up and make shots or score around the rim with Armando. Um, You know, what you were saying made me think about or ask myself, what are we ultimately looking for from this team in the in the near term? We're looking for, in my opinion, them to find a way to dig themselves out of one of those performances and find a way to win. The Tennessee game, the Kentucky game, that Notre Dame game, can they figure out a way to not have their best stuff but be tough enough mentally to grind out a win anyway? And that, to me, is a hurdle we have yet to get over with this team. And now we got plenty of games left. But that's what I want to see. When things are going great, like today, man, we look really good. And we're really capable and we're engaged and we're together and we're enthusiastic. And Caleb plays great on the offensive end, so it inspires his defense. And Armando cleans the glass and Brady makes some shots. And, okay, great. 
I want to see us find a way to win where Caleb doesn't shoot it great, where Mondo's struggling or gets in foul trouble and has to go sit down. And we, we dig one out of the dirt. And that, to me, is the stepping stone that, that we probably need to figure out how good we can be. And, and here's an interesting comment I would say to you and then get your take on it. I don't even necessarily think that means if we win the first Duke game. Maybe we do. Maybe we play great bell to bell and we beat Duke and they're clearly the best team in, in the conference. I'm talking about a game that's not a game that you're always going to be up for like Duke. I'm talking about an ugly game where we don't have it and we figure out a way to win it. That to me will show the mental maturity that we're after. I don't know about your, your, your thoughts on that. That's what I want. The only time that I think that's happened was when it was, I think Furman and it was tied at halftime against Furman. And it was obvious that UNC just didn't have it offensively. Um, and I think that's still one of their best games with in the transition, second chance points, um, points off turnovers. Whereas they're, I think that might've been one of their lowest shooting percentages. Um, I can pull that up right here. Um, oh no, it's the Elon game. Their Elon game, they shot 39% from the floor. And I know it's just Elon, but I think mm-hmm. that's an example in what you're talking about as far as doing that. And honestly, talking about mental maturity moving forward, they have a week off. They've got the best game that they've played all season happening. And they have like, they don't, they can't carry that into a Monday game, into a Tuesday game, not even, even a Wednesday game. They have seven days off. So honestly, we could see that next week, potentially um, where that happens. You mentioned Caleb's defense. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on the defense as a whole. Obviously Virginia is not the best offensive team um, in the country, but I, I felt like the defense was different tonight than it was against Notre Dame and even some other games. Well, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, we took the fight to them, you know, against Notre Dame. How many times did we make mistakes, lack of communication that led to open threes? I mean, ultimately the biggest shot of that game, and I mean, I pronounced right, but I think Leshevsky or Leshevsky or whatever it was. Leshevsky, the big for Notre Dame hits that three right after we took the lead. Or I think we took the lead, they hit a three, and then he hit the next one for a little 6-0 run that ultimately put that game out of reach. Just absolute breakdown defensively, right? Uh, Poor communication, didn't switch correctly. Nobody stayed with the ball. We didn't help in the right spot. And uh, we we didn't allow Virginia's slowed down pace and kind of boring way they play to affect our ability to stay together as five and communicate and do the things that we're supposed to do. So um, much more mental attentiveness on that side of the ball. I just... I, again, back to our point, I think it's, it, it came from our good offense. We had good offense, so therefore we defended. And you'd love for it to be the other way, and you'd love for, like I said, when we don't have a good night offensively, can we still just be stingy on that end? And uh, that's the next step for us. But, you know, we got on the pass lane a couple times, obviously the notable steal by Caleb and then the, the pull-up on the break, which was an intelligent decision that he made. A couple runouts that we got. Uh, obviously the Brady pass to – uh, to, to Mondo was kind of the, the coup d'etat. Um, but look, we, we have the ability, again, to be stingy defensively. We've got length. We've got athleticism. We don't have rim protection. Uh, but we got some other things that can that make us a good defensive team. I'd like to see it just be that way always, playing well offensively or not. And then before we get out of here, I'd be remiss. I mentioned this earlier. Um, Roy Williams was on the court at halftime. We, I didn't get to watch it on TV. Um, I'm sure there will be a video posted by UNC at some point, but Danny Green um, donated a $1 million scholarship to UNC Athletics and was recognized 
for that on the floor on Roy Williams court by his head coach, Roy Williams, who you played for and played alongside Danny green, just your thoughts on the two of those, especially with Danny green coming off of his Tony Snell performance. Um, yeah. The other night. Yeah. You know, I, I believe I've said it here. Uh, Danny green is the greatest teammate I ever had in team sports. Um, and that's from being a little kid up through my best friends from high school uh, anywhere I ever played or anything I ever did. And I think a lot of us would say this, Danny Green is the greatest teammate any of us ever had. Um, just uh, an unbelievable uh, good soul. Uh, it sounds weird to, weird to say, but uh, just a, an unbelievable human being, as kind and giving and generous as you can see by his commitment to the university. Um, this is the kind of guy that when they play the Nuggets here in Denver and I go to the game and, and my brother comes with me, Danny remembers my brother's name and daps him up and asks him, how's he, how's he doing? When I see him, he asks about my parents who he hasn't seen in 15 years, but saw all the time back when we played together, when we were on the same team, that's the kind of guy that you're talking about. And uh, he's had unbelievable success, you know, arguably uh, maybe not arguably coach Williams, most successful pro that came out of Carolina in terms of what he's done. Um, And maybe, behind Paul Pierce, Coach Williams' most successful pro, period. Um, we can maybe debate that, and maybe I'm not thinking of somebody, but just an unbelievable career he's had. Uh, he just got married this summer, and, and uh, a lot of us were at that wedding, and couldn't be happier for that guy. Uh, couldn't love him more as a friend, as a teammate, and uh, really proud of what he did for our university, and I know coaches too. And um, I actually texted Coach Williams during the game, and I uh, just said something to him about Danny. His response was simply the best, period, uh, And when talking about Danny. So um, that tells you all you need to know about how, uh, how Coach feels about him, too. Do you know anything about Roy's emotions and heart rate? Do you have, like, a heart rate tracker on Roy's game as a Roy's, Roy during games as a fan now? <laughs> I tell you, man, you know, he uh, I know his blood pressure probably still runs pretty high. He's wearing that mask. You can't see how red his face probably is when we turn the ball over or, uh, or make a bad play or do something that shows a lack of effort. Those are the things that always drove him crazy. But uh, no, I think he's good. He's recovering from his knee and uh, hopefully he'll be ready to play golf in the spring because I know I'm planning on playing with him somewhere. So hopefully he's feeling good and uh, it's just awesome to see him and, uh, you know, that the Danny thing was just really cool. It's a really cool thing. It gives me goosebumps and I'm kind of corny that way. I come from the coach Williams kind of old school of that stuff, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's just uh, really cool. Yeah. Giving back like that is definitely an embodiment of when guys and when people say the Carolina family and in the Smith center tonight, it definitely was Carolina basketball. Um, North Carolina dominates Virginia 74 to 58 behind Armando Baycott's career highs in points and rebounds, 29 points, 21 rebounds. And those rebound numbers could go up. UNC said they're going to review some of them and it could be 22, 23. Who knows what that final number will be. But anyways, a fantastic performance. Best of the season, arguably, for UNC against an opponent that they haven't beaten in the last seven tries. Um, I'm Gregory Hall for Inside Carolina. That's Dewey Burke. We appreciate you all watching us live on YouTube. And for folks listening to this, thanks. Thanks again, as always brought to you by Johnny t-shirt. I have to mention them, our awesome sponsor who we love. Uh, go get your, your gear, your swag, sweatshirts, go get your Armando Baycott jersey or jersey. If they're over there, um, UNC basketball, for sure. They've got everything UNC gymnastics over in their season last night. 
So thanks, Dewey. Uh, Thanks for joining me. Yep. Thanks, Greg. Take care. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+.